1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleOmics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, July 31st, 2022. It is the first ever edition of WrestleOmics Radio in, maybe last week was, in any event. Furthermore, and in addition to that, this is a, a, an, an episode of WrestleOmics Radio in the post Vince McMahon era, and uh, first and foremost, I want to thank my co-host today, Chris Gullo, for, for ensuring that this show is actually broadcasting. Hello, Chris Cullo.
2: Hello. Good morning, uh, Brandon. And we could say it's the first show in the full control of Triple H creative era, mm-hmm. you could say, with no Vince McMahon lurking in the shadows for Triple H to be head of creative. Yes. What are we going <laughs> to talk about today, Gallo. Well, we actually have a jam-packed show today. Uh, we will discuss uh, Triple H, Paul Levesque being the new head of creative for WWE, We'll talk about Vince McMahon being under investigation, not just by WWE's board of directors, but actually by the SEC and federal prosecutors. Uh, what are the potential ramifications for AEW with Paul Levesque being head of creative? Uh, WWE has decided to put a blackout on stock trading for employees. Uh, we'll discuss SummerSlam business performance and much more tidbits here on this Nomics radio.
1: Yes. Um, moments ago, we, we attempted to go live. I thought we were live. But uh, you, Chris Criscolo, you you reviewed the situation and noticed that I had actually not hit the go live button, but uh, you you saved the program today. So thank you. Um, So anyway, before we get going here, I think we need to just put out a a big thank you to a a person who is very, very important in history. Um, Some would argue that there is no professional wrestling as you know it. Without this man, we're not wrestling fans. We're not here, if not for uh, this man who really transcended wrestling. He was involved in, in other forms of entertainment, really brought wrestling into a being a bigger entity in pop culture. That, of course, is William Muldoon from the 19th century. So thank you to William Muldoon. Uh, big uh, big uh, brand sponsor of, of cigarettes back in the 19th century and things of that nature. Uh, Muldoon medium. Yes, yes. But in, all, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I, th- I think we owe uh, a, a big thank you to the person who really founded and created WWE as we know it. Uh, there isn't a, a WWE without without this man. And I think we we owe him a big thank you, Vince. Thank you to Vincent J. McMahon, the older Vincent J. McMahon. So thank you. Thank you, Vincent J. McMahon. Um, But in all seriousness, I I think we we owe a big congratulations to to Michael Cole for being able to call a pay-per-view last night for the first time without an angry voice in his head. Uh, So we're really excited for Michael Cole going forward um, in any event. All
2: right. uh, Well... We're going to talk about a lot of stuff on the show, and if you have a Super Chat, you can actually hit the little dollar sign on your YouTube stream there, put a question in, and the amount that you see fit, and we'll answer your questions throughout the show. Uh, It might be right when you ask it, depending on the topic, or it might be a little bit later, but we will get to all Super Chats on the show.
1: So, where should we begin?
2: Let's kind of talk about a little bit of the stuff going on uh, that maybe kind of led to all this shuffle of change, maybe here.
1: As, is, as you're guessing, trying to interpret the slides, we're yes. we going here? Um, so the Vince McMahon story is just it keeps on keeping on. Um, there's a big. It was a big morning, Monday morning. You know, last we spoke, it was WrestleMania Sunday a week ago, and we hadn't learned yet what we would learn on on Monday. What did what did we know up to that point? We knew that on Friday, a week. A week ago, Friday, about nine or so days ago, Vince McMahon had announced his retirement, uh, had voluntarily resigned, apparently from the company, still a majority voting uh, member, still, still the largest shareholder. Uh, we didn't know what the catalyst was for his resignation, for his retirement, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've been assured that resignation and retirement are interchangeable words in this case, at least in W's case, there is no pension. There isn't, there's, there's no pension plan that W employees including Cleveland Zygmunt are paying into. Um, so I thought that, you know, maybe it was business partners. Maybe it was the TV uh, partners, other business partners who had put the pressure on Vince and had said, you know, I don't, I don't know how excited we are to renew at a higher uh, price for Raw and SmackDown. If all this Vince scandal is going on in the background, that's what I figured. Uh, I'm I'm much less sure of that now. Uh, and and we had figured that you know maybe the Wall Street Journal, maybe Real Sports with Brian Gumble, they're coming out with with big stories, and maybe they still are. Uh, Wall Street Journal had one that we'll get to on Monday, but uh, you know maybe it was advertisers, TV partners that were saying maybe it's time for Vince to go. Uh, but as it turns out, you know. Because we had we figured, we had talked about this hierarchy of influence, and yes, Vince is at the top, but guess who has the second most influence? It's business partners. It's business partners. And that's it. And ultimately, though, Vince is going to do what he's going to do, and Vince could decide to go forward and say, I don't care what, what, what's going to happen with the business partners. I don't care what the financial consequences are. I want to control this company, and I'm not going to back down. And that's easy for me to imagine in the character of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. However, I think we need to revise our hierarchy of influence. I had not anticipated that there is in fact some entity that should be on top of the hierarchy of influence, even above Vince McMahon, And that is the federal government. We should have known, uh, back in the early nineties, the federal government almost took down Vince and, and the biggest matchup of his life, Vince McMahon versus the United States. Um, but, uh, the Wall Street Journal broke on Monday evening uh, that the, that the SEC is investigating him and federal prosecutors which I take to mean people from the Department of Justice are investigating what's happening here my speculation would be that hey look you you uh, you're a publicly traded company and uh, you spent some money here that you want to call personal expenses but really they were company expenses we'll get into why but that's 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 not something that's that you can just get away with. Um, So we'll we'll get into the detail here. Um, WWE put out a press release on Monday morning, announcing, among other things, that Paul Levesque will assume all responsibilities related to WWE's creative, in addition to his regular duties. On Friday morning, remember on Friday morning prior to this, they had announced that Paul Levesque was now the Executive Vice President of Talent Relations. And now on... um, Gosh, I can't even remember now. Was it Monday morning that we learned this, or was it Friday that we that we learned this?
2: I think it was Monday we learned the creative because Friday was last Friday was the whole Lesnar walking out, and we were under the assumption that Pritchard was running the show. And then Monday, it, it came out, and that's it was the Raw first Raw under Triple H. Right.
1: Who who, who walked up? You, uh, your favorite wrestler, Brock Lesnar. Brock Bro- Lesnar, Bro- 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 yes, yes, Brock Lesnar. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that 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 is right. I think so. And and I, and I had asked to be if, um, you know, uh, well anyway, we'll get, we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to some of these details here. Um, so the 8K came out. What's an 8K? Do you know what an 8K is?
2: Um, I mean, it is some type of uh, tax. Uh, is it some
1: type of tax form for, for stocks? It's an SEC form. Okay. It's uh, basically something that you, that you. Publish, if publish is the right word. I've, I've read some language in here that makes me wonder whether publish is the right word. Anyway, maybe publish, but filing is maybe not the right word. I don't know. Anyway, it's a, it's a document that comes out to the public. Uh, whenever there's anything that might be material news for investors, I, I believe is, is an accurate way to describe it. So whenever there's an earnings report, there's an 8K. Whenever there's something that's just important, separate from that, there's an 8K. And there was an 8K. Monday morning, um, and what we had in this 8K, there's quite a bit of text here. I don't know that we need to read all of it, but um, they did also announce that there, they gave some preliminary financial results, too. I think in in, in part to show, you know, hey, look, we're, we're we're still in good financial shape, and in fact, their adjusted OEBA, their favorite profit metric, um, was higher than... I think most any uh, analyst, or at least the consensus of stock analysts, expected it to be. I had a a working financial estimate that I compared their preliminary results to. Uh, so they're a little bit more profitable than I had expected. So that that is for Q2 I'm referring to here for the period of April 1st to June 30th. So W in good financial shape, they wanted to let, let you know that upfront and that they're not going to be able to report, uh, in the usual amount of time that they were, we were expecting August 4th, which would be this coming Thursday to be W's financial report, because it's usually, you know, about, I don't know, five or so weeks after the quarter ends this quarter ending, this past quarter ending on June 30th. Um, looking like it's going to be more like August 9th. Maybe, maybe. But anyway, that's all at the front of this 8K, burying the lead deep in here into the 8K, under item 8.01, other events heading. The company has made preliminary, a preliminary determination that certain payments that Vince McMahon agreed to make during the period of 2006 through 2022, including payments, uh, including amounts paid and payable in the future, and that were not recorded We've got this highlighted in red for the YouTube viewers here. And were and that were not recorded in the WWE consolidated financial statements should have been recorded as expenses in the quarters in which those agreements were made. Uh, the company identified unrecorded expenses totaling approximately 14.6 million dollars. So they're referring here to the NDA payments, right, which we've been discussing for weeks disclosure agreement payments that Vince McMahon agreed to make with uh, four women that we know of. We don't know their names, but four women who worked for WWE in various roles. The former paralegals, the first story that came out on June 15th, but there's also a former WWE talent. There's also uh, two others that were referred to as a former manager and, and a former contractor. So people who worked for WWE. That Vince McMahon had a great deal of power over uh, who he he either allegedly sexually harassed or coerced into sex or uh, had sexual relationships with and so forth and paid them a lot of money to not talk about that relationship, not talk about that experience uh, and to not disparage him. So do do you remember, Chris? Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say this point, too, and didn't in that first article. Didn't Jerry McDivitt say that this was Vince, just Vince's money, nothing mm-hmm. to do with... Yeah, it was just, all right, he paid it out of his own money, no issue here.
1: Right. There were no company monies spent on this, only Vince's personal money, which presumably would make it okay, but as it turns out, uh, not okay. Why is this not okay? Uh, I'm, I'm sort of disappointed that we didn't figure this out ahead of time. Uh, but So my understanding is, even though... And, and, and Tony Maglio of the Wrap has tweeted that, and, and it sounds like you know so, somebody who knows told him that the payments were made out of Vince McMahon's personal. He wired the money over, right? Um, by, by the way, some of these payments are not completely paid yet. So he's made agreements apparently with some of the women to make long-term in payment payments in installments. So some of these women still have money coming to them. That's been reported by the Wall Street Journal, and that would be consistent with the language that we see here uh, in terms of what we see in in the second line in parentheses, including amounts paid and payable in the future. So he's got long-term agreements to pay in multiple installments. Um, So what I I was getting to here, unrecorded expenses totaling approximately $14.6 million. That's what the company, the board, and perhaps their investigators have found. What did the Wall Street Journal report was the amount that Vince had paid that we knew about before this document came out. Do you remember? Um, Was it 12? Tw- i trying to remember because it was 12, 12.5, right? Yeah. 12, 12, maybe a little bit more than 12. Yeah. So this is more than 12 million. This is 14.6 million. So that means there's some payments that they know about, that the Wall Street Journal's reporting hasn't reported on yet. Um, I mean, it, it, it could be, for all we know, it could be completely different payments, probably not though. Um, there's probably some overlap there. Uh, maybe there's one payment in addition that we haven't uh, seen the Wall Street Journal refer to yet. Maybe there's more than one, um, but yes. So so why is it that Vince McMahon's, presumably personal payments, uh, that he made with personal money must be counted as company expenses. So my understanding is that just because you, you just because Vince McMahon used his personal money to pay off women so they wouldn't talk about his transgressions doesn't mean that in a publicly traded company, that that can be just ignored. Those payments were made not just to benefit him personally, but were made to protect the company. Um, and because of that, they should have been recorded in WWE's published, they should have been included in and calculated into WWE's financial reporting. Um, so that's a big problem, apparently. Um, right, to, to, to take a more extreme financial scenario, hypothetically, imagine if WWE was struggling to be profitable which is not the case, right? They're very profitable. But imagine if WWE was struggling to be profitable, and, and Vince decided that, well, I'll just personally pay for the production of Raw and SmackDown for a year, or something like that. I'll personally pay those millions and millions of dollars that it costs to, pr- to produce Raw and SmackDown, the company won't have to pay for it, and ta-da, WWE's profitable now. Um, and then, obviously, if, if that were the case, then, then WWE would trade on that more that, that better financial performance. Um, that would be I would think that would be defrauding shareholders that would be a bad thing and Vince McMahon would be in real big trouble legally because of that or at least he'd be under investigation right so uh, they'll be very profitable uh, but 14.6 million dollars is not immaterial in one one quarter that's what they want to make clear here Um, so what, what do they go on to say here uh All all payments underlying the unrecorded expenses were or will be paid by Vince McMahon personally. While the company continues to evaluate the impact on previously reported financial statements, uh, the company has preliminarily determined that while the amount of unrecorded expenses were not material in any individual period, I believe that means quarters, in which the unrecorded expenses arose, the aggregate amount altogether of unrecorded expenses would be material if recorded entirely in the second quarter. So if they just caught up and just... put it all into Q $14.6 dollars would be material. What does material mean? Any Gaskell what material means in, in this context?
2: I, I I would say like any anything that could affect outcomes of the company or stuff like that, like
1: Any, And we'll we'll get into this later when we talk about material non-public information. But material means, yeah, basically anything that a a reasonable investor would consider to be important when valuing the company. So $14.6 million in expenses would basically come off of W's profit metrics, and that would substantially lower W's profit metrics, profit results. So, but if they you know, spread this over the course of 2019 to the present, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. So they go on to say in this 8K. Accordingly, the company currently anticipates that it will revise its previously issued financial statements to record the unrecorded expenses in the applicable periods for the years ended December 31st, 2019, 2020, 2021, as well as the first quarter of 2022. So big, big news in the WrestleNomics world. I'm going to have to update my spreadsheets. WB is going to have to update a lot of their spreadsheets too. I'm I'm sure that's what they're working on right now. So they're going to go back to 2019 and forward, and I guess put those expenses in where they think they belong to, you know, more uh, truthfully, accurately illustrate what their expenses were in during those times. Yes,
2: is it just because you can only go back so far to do like financial? analyzation as far as adding this stuff or because are we to be under the impression that he didn't have any of these NDAs before 2019? That's a good question. Um, that's a good that,
1: that, because I feel like that can't be a thing. <laughs> he, I feel like he would have had him before, but I mean, I don't know, but. Well, the Wall Street Journal reports that to so the former talent who was paid, I believe, seven and a half million dollars, or at least, you know, that that's what the agreement is. It's not paid out yet in in, in its entirety, um, that was the Wall Street Journal reported that that agreement was made in 2018. Um, and some of these, you know, and, and that, that was, you know, f- from an incident of coerced oral sex reportedly uh, that happened in 2005. Now, now 2005, that happened, and, and then some years later, 2018, the former talent and lawyers came to Vince and they made this agreement. Um, but maybe some of those, I mean, we, we could probably look through the Wall Street Journal report again and, and uh, look at when they they might say in there when the agreements were made. Um, but yeah, th- that's a good question. So I bet I don't know the answer. Um, I, I have another one real quick for
2: the yes. payments. The yes. payments that have continuation with them, where, are they going to have to put that as. Going forward. On going forward because he's a majority
1: shareholder. They, I, I would think they are their company expenses and they'll i think they would i would guess they would be recorded in the yeah. quarters in which those payments were made I So this will so. haunt them for a while <laughs> yeah and, and who knows what the installments are they could be hundreds of thousands thousands of dollars every month or something like that on w scale you know w made 1.1 billion dollars in revenue in in 2021 you know those expenses might be pretty pretty minor. Uh, on their financial reporting um, but yeah but we'll see. Um, so W expects to 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 do their financial reporting or it's working with the goal of doing their financial reporting on Tuesday August 9th that is not this coming Tuesday but the Tuesday after that uh, but there's no assurance that W will actually be able to to report at that time. Um, there's there's also a, a, an interesting sentence in here where, where they say, in light of the unrecorded expenses and related facts, the company expects to conclude that its internal control over financial reporting was not effective as a result of one or more material weaknesses. That is conspicuous. I don't know what that means though. Um, some problem with financial reporting that they should have caught this. But then again, if Vince is concealing it, uh, who can be responsible for, uh, Are there people responsible for this other than Vince, I guess is, is a question. Um, uh, As previously announced, a special committee of independent members of the board is conducting an investigation into the alleged misconduct by Vince. That investigation remains ongoing. So that's, that's W saying, Hey, the board is still investigating. This doesn't mean that the investigation is over with. And then finally, they end this section headed to other events with a very ominous couple sentences or one sentence, I suppose. The company has also received and may receive in the future regulatory, investigative and enforcement inquiries, subpoenas or demands arising from or related to, uh, I, I can't read what that says, or related to or in connection with these matters. And I read that on Monday morning. This came out, I believe, just before the market opened, around 8 o'clock or so. And I said, wow, that's ominous. Um, More on that in a moment. Before the market opened, though, on Monday, remember, Vince McMahon now out of power. Uncertainty, perhaps. It's what we've talked about for years, perhaps decades. Vince McMahon is out of power. What will this stock do? Um, Monday morning, Barclays analyst David Joyce raised his price target from fifty-seven dollars to 61, which is less than the, the stock the value the, the stock was valued at. But nonetheless, raising his target. Alan Gould from Loop Capital raising his rating of hold on W stock to buy. Alan Gould also talking about how the company's more likely to be acquired now that Vince is out of power. MKM partners, Eric Handler, raising his price target from $70 to $79. So well above the current value. And uh Monday morning, the market opens and this this stock goes way up. Uh, goes up on on that day by about eight percent, I believe, um, on the speculation that maybe W will be acquired. Uh, it calmed down after after that, and uh, we're we're settling now with with W stock at what as of the close of the market on Friday, sixty nine dollars thirty one cents, according to Google Finance. Mm-hmm. That's where the stock is at. If we look at what the stock was valued at um, on. We say like the Friday before Vince announced his uh, his retirement, it was sixty six dollars twenty two cents. Now sixty nine, so it's you know three dollars more. Um, it's about five percent. The company is valued by the stock market about five percent more now since Vince announced his retirement, his exit from the company, um, which you know we didn't all of course see it transpiring this way, but we've seen in. W's annual report for years. I want to say that this has been, this is mentioned in every annual report that I've ever read for Ever I've ever looked through going back to, since they've been public in 99 where they list many, many risk factors. These are, these are things that you, that investors should be aware of that might affect the value of this company. And one of those risk factors has always been this. I'm going to read this.
2: Yeah. The, Unexpected loss of the services of Vincent K. McMahon could adversely affect our ability to create popular characters and creative storylines or could otherwise adversely affect our operating results. In addition to serving as chairman, our board of directors and chief executive officer, Mr. McMahon, so, uh, Mr. McMahon leads a creative team that develops the storylines and the characters for our programming including our television WE network and other programming and live events. The loss of Mr. McMahon due to unexpected retirement, disability, death or other unexpected termination for any reason could have material adverse effect on our ability to create popular characters and creative storylines or could otherwise adversely affect our operating operating results. So that was the
1: whole thing in context there. yes. Um, I guess as, as Jesse said a few weeks ago, I think I think it was a good interpretation. Jesse Collins uh, said that. You know, I think I think you can just read that as Vince McMahon believes that he is essential to the business, and the business may be adversely affected if he, if he were to unexpectedly leave the company. I I do
2: find perception uh, funny on this. I feel wrestling wise, I think the majority of the feelings people are excited for something different, like wow, like who's going to be pushed in Triple H and all that. But from like non-wrestling aspect of it, I don't, I, I don't know if people really are interested in a non Vince McMahon WWE until they see like
1: proven results. Yes. Like um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, So I, I would, I would have to, and I've only been covering W business to, to this, to, to anything near the current degree since about 2015 or so. Maybe even later than that, right w network kinda and forward um so it's hard to put myself back into prior times, but um I've been saying for for a while I think that's that's a very overrated risk factor. the notion that Vince would not be around here. This is a risk factor that that's sure stock analysts take seriously, investors may take seriously. He's the founder in all normal business situations. That's probably a pretty big deal. You know, if uh, the person who founded this company, who's very much one-on-one associated with this company leaves, what's going to happen? Uncertainty. And uncertainty leads to, you know, share price instability. Um, but I think Vince has been, especially now with, with Nick Khan and in, in the role that he's in, where I think, you know, s- strategically, W will be fine, at least as long as he's there. And, yes, he's got a five-year term as, in his employment agreement that will expire in 2025. I don't know what will happen after that. But, W, you know, Vince has been more of a detriment, certainly, in his creative role. And I think he's left a lot of money on the table that is obfuscated by the fact that WWE has benefited tremendously from business to business relationships while eroding their consumer sales and consumer metrics, including their TV ratings, ticket sales, merchandise sales, consumer product sales. And there's a lot of value that WWE could have attained and could have grown in excess to what they currently have if, if only someone other than Vince McMahon was in charge of creative, a role that he held on to tightly... Until, until, until the federal government apparently got involved. The Wall Street Journal comes out with a story on Monday evening, publishing time six eleven p.m. Eastern. Headline: U.S. investigations hastened McMahon retirement, from WWE sources say. Uh, and the uh, the key the key reporting here from the Wall Street Journal from this, the same reporters, by the way, Ted Mann and Joe Palazzolo. Who have reported the earlier uh, reports on on W and the NDAs and the payments made by by Vince, um, and they report that the Securities and Exchanges Commission, the SEC, and federal prosecutors have launched inquiries into payments made by Mr. McMahon to settle allegations of sexual misconduct, according to people familiar with the matter. So that that makes clear what that a. 8K paragraph was referring to in terms of inquiries, regulatory investigations, and, and th- things, uh, things of that nature, if you will. Um, the SEC and federal prosecutors have launched inquiries into payments made by Vince McMahon. Um, so they also write in here, in the past, Mr. McMahon told members of the board and W executives that he would remain in the job Until you can no longer work, according to people familiar with the matter. Um, So there's that. That saying what? Just to confirm. Vince McMahon had no intention of retiring. This was a resignation. Semantics, I suppose. But there's no difference between retirement and resignation. Whether you're 77, 76, or 36 it's all the same in wb is my understanding you know there isn't any different process so there's all that um yes this reminds me of of a time in 1993 when the federal government indicted vince man under investigation for just distribution of steroids in cooperation with george saharian the uh the uh infamous doctor who is uh, prescribing wrestlers steroids um and of course, he was acquitted. Let's uh, let's 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 give him his due. Yes, he was acquitted. What? Um, and this is this is the uh, the New York Times clipping from July twenty third, nineteen ninety four. A promoter of wrestling is acquitted. So in in the the real life battle in the courtroom, Vince McMahon w- was indeed acquitted uh, of of that indictment of being charged with uh, conspiracy to, to distribute. Um, so so we have here an amended version. Of the hierarchy of influence, that, that that we should remember forevermore, not just Vince McMahon at the top, and and arguably he's not at the top anymore. I, I would say he's not. I know there'll, there'll be continued conspiracy theories about just how much, just how much he's lurking in the shadows and how much he's pulling the strings. Vince McMahon working in the background, much like Pat, Pat much like Vince Russo, you know, sending emails and things of that nature and working behind the scenes. Um, in any event, the most powerful person in WE perhaps was not the man all along but was, was the federal government. Uh, so there's that. Um, moving on.
2: Um, uh, if you have any super chats on any of this, uh, just a reminder, uh, if you're watching on YouTube there, you can click the dollar sign with your question and put any amount that you see fit. Okay.
1: So with all this transpiring, I think it's quite obvious that uh, so everyone's talking about this lately. This brings to mind um, Soviet Russia, of course. Soviet Russia comes to mind here. It brings to mind uh, a period where Khrushchev, what's Kr- Nikita Khrushchev, had come to power in Soviet Russia. And uh, tell, tell us tell us a little bit about it. You, you love like history, Golo.
2: Yeah, no, I'm uh, really excited we're going to uh, kind of talk about this here. So de-Stalinization consisted of a series of political reforms in the Soviet Union after the death of longtime leader Joseph Stalin in 1953. And the thaw brought about an ascension of Nikita Khrushchev to power at his 1956 secret speech on the cult of personality and its consequences, which denounced the Stalinist cult of personality and the Stalinist political system. Uh, monuments to Stalin were toppled, his name was removed from places, buildings, and the state anthem, and his mummified body was removed from the Lenin Mausoleum and buried elsewhere. While de-Stalinization had been quietly underway ever since Stalin's death, the watershed event was Khrushchev's speech entitled On the Cult of Personality and Its Consequences Concerning Stalin. He spoke to a closed session of the 20th Party Congress of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, delivering an address laying out some of the Stalin's crimes and the conditions of insecurity, fear, and even desperation created by Stalin. Khrushchev uh, shocked his listeners by denouncing Stalin's dictatorial rule and his cult of personality and inconsistent with communist and party ideology.
1: Yeah, So, um, I'm not comparing the crimes that, that Stalin did to the, to the crimes that Vince did. Um, I think there are some interesting similarities between um, how a cult of personality like Vince uh, and pe- people are responding to 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 Vince's removal from power and how people are people responded to to the you know, the the deaths of, of leaders like Stalin and and even Kim Jong Il, where we've got like, you know, people. Paying tribute to to Vince, you know, almost as if he's died, and almost, almost, you know, as as if he's completely responsible for, for the world we live in. Um, and I think there's, you know, are we going to see now a a devincification of WWE? I think
2: much like Stalin, Vince Rose. I mean, Stalin made the Soviet Union a legit superpower, right? And Vince made the WWE a legit sports entertainment pro wrestling power and i think now that he's out of the picture you can kind of take a look and go well maybe some of these practices were unnecessary and we could still be on top without them obviously much different type of practices but when it comes to creative and the way maybe people were
1: micromanaged when it comes down to it so i think there's also though there's a lot that should change undoubtedly and I think Paul Lavek knows that. In his heart, you, 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 you can't give him truth serum, but if you could, I think he would agree that there's a lot that should change. And hit the way that he ran NXT and the product that he put out is evident of that, in my view. But there's incentive, at least here in the short term, for him not to change too much. But we'll get, in, get into what we saw on, on SummerSlam. Um, I think there's, especially on Monday, Monday is the day. That he's announced as head of creative, whoa, that's a change. And you don't want to send a message to the mainstream media community and the investor community, the stock analyst community, that whoa, there's change, whoa, Raw's way different. I think there's a big incentive for him to not rock the boat. There may be political incentive for him to not create enemies or to intensify. Tense relationships that he may have with other executives in WB um, to to be this sort of, if you will, Joe Biden like force to sort of calm the community yep. and we're we're moving forward with, with with things being being calmer here and be, being uh you know being not as tense as perhaps they were before. Um, so, uh, Fightful had a report though on Monday. I don't know if yep. it was uh, the. Comparable to the speech on cult of personality and its consequences, but nonetheless, signaling on Monday night, on Monday night to talent that things might be different.
2: Yeah, this is what uh, what it entailed. Uh, Triple H led a talent at Raw on Monday and promised the talent transparency when it comes to, our, or to the some that don't feel it existed under the previous regime. He also said that he wants open lines of communication between himself and talent. Waiting for hours for the opportunity to maybe speak to Vince McMahon had become commonplace in recent years. With the FaceTime with him dwindling, uh, we were also told that Triple H said he wants work to be
1: fun. So, according to that report from Flyful, it sounds like an acknowledgement from Paul Levesque that hey, look, uh, maybe things weren't as as good as you wanted them to be, and I'm acknowledging that, and we're going to try to make it better. Not a p- repudiation everyone's talking about is the language. Are we going to start saying pro wrestling on WWE programming? Are we going to stop saying WWE universe? Are things going to be less scripted? Uh, will, will there be fewer DQ finishes by the way, the very first match that <laughs> happened on raw under his supervision, DQ finish, uh, Will will things be drastically different? Will will Raw open up with everyone on the ramp and and Triple H with the microphone going one by one? I give you your first name back. You're now Austin Theory. You're now i you know all these people. Chad Gable, who's he's 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 now just Gable. Is that right? Am I thinking of that right?
2: Um, I think they're still calling him Chad Gable.
1: Who else has lost their first name?
2: Uh, before we dwell on this, yeah. I'll... Well, I'm trying to, think, I, I, I can think of all the actual name, name changes, uh, um, the, 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 guys from NXT UK, James and Drake, uh, that they've, they've lost, they've lost their name again. Yes. <laughs> I, anyway. But I know what you're uh, saying. Yeah, there was, and we'll probably get into a little bit. There was a couple changes though, that I can definitely see, especially on SummerSlam. Yeah.
1: But we have this, this photo that people can see on YouTube of, uh, from Brandon Ross, uh, posted to Twitter, uh, At Madison Square Garden. At Madison Square Garden, which is serendipitous that the first event with someone other than Vince McMahon overseeing Creative uh, was... uh, Maybe maybe SmackDown was that, too. But the first TV taping under the supervision of of Paula Beck uh, as head of Creative was at Madison Square Garden. And here's the the photo of of Brandon Ross uh, taking a photo of um, Triple H on the ramp at Madison Square Garden. Um... He did speak so to uh, reporters briefly in Nashville at this uh, tryout, uh, and we have uh, this clip from Rick Uccino on Twitter. Uh, this is a clip you'll hear in the background. Uh, Nick Hausman of Wrestling Inc. asking uh, Triple H the question. Uh, that's the slide. Here we go.
3: Triple H, I gotta ask. You're turned creative now. now. How is the product gonna be different underneath? Question and I answered you. That's an answer, yeah, answer right? Answer yeah, yeah. No, I know it isn't, but that's not <laughs> working. Got to watch the show. Look, um, this is the, the longest running stuff on TV. We say it all the time, right? Um, Raw, SmackDown, SummerSlam, just everything that we're doing, right? <laughs> oh, they're they're a massive pair of shoes to fill, that I'm trying in some way to step into, but I do not dream for one second that I can fill those shoes. By myself, it's going to take, a period, but by myself, it's going to take a lot of us. It's going to take a team. It's going to take everybody here to, to fill those shoes and continue this on. But we will. We will. The, the, the intent is to continue the legacy of what has been going on what made me fall in love with this business that he created and to take it to new levels to take it beyond where it is now the only way we're going to do that is with a team that's with steph that's with nick khan that's with myself that's with kevin dunn that's with everybody that is here that is with all this we have the, mo- the greatest, uh, hardest-working talent in the world. I have no doubt, no doubt in my mind, with this team that we can do it. Not a, not a, not a, a, a an inkling of doubt. Um, it's just a lot of hard work, and we're all going to grind, and we're all going to make it do because we have the greatest fans in the world, and we're going to make sure that they get everything they want out of this product, and then. Well, are-
1: okay, so. Everything is normal. We're gonna. Everybody's gonna pitch in and work hard to take over all these responsibilities. My God, Vince's sh- there's It's gonna be so hard to fill his shoes, but we're gonna do it, and everything's gonna be okay. And I think what W doesn't want here are mainstream headlines, or even perhaps you know not too many wrestling headlines. Let there be optimism, sure, but not too many headlines that say things like "major changes ahead for for w. I don't think they want that bleeding into, into understandings and valuations of the company that leads to uncertainty and 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 the perception that, that Vince, only Vince, he alone could lead this company. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they want further attention and, and thought given to that.
2: Notably, who did well, you mention? If, oh, well, he, he talked about Stephanie McMahon. He talked about Nick Khan. It takes and, a team. And who? What other well, name I mean, did he
1: mention? Um, <laughs> he mentioned Vince earlier. Uh, he mentioned and Stephanie? Then, he said, and "We'll do it with Nick Khan and Kevin Dunn." Kevin Dunn, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody that he's probably not closely al- aligned with. There have been, I know, Meltzer has talked about how you know, oh, the day that that uh, Triple H and Stephanie get into power, uh, Kevin Dunn probably won't last. Uh, and and I and I've heard things that uh, where people have told me that you know, Stephanie and and probably Paul Levesque they don't they're they're not great friends with Kevin Dunn um but I think there's there's definitely an incentive for him to even you know at least publicly facing be be nice to people that maybe he's not friendly with that maybe are his enemies to say look this is the best thing for the company here and it's best thing which is the best thing ultimately for my survival here is to make sure that everything is is stable and everybody's confident in the future whether that's people internally whether that's people externally who are valuing the company, um, there's not going to be dramatic change here, and there's huge responsibility for us to to, to take in.
2: Um, he brings up a team, right? And obviously, he discusses the individuals you just talked about, but I would imagine him taking on the creative role as well as the, the you know executive vice uh, president of talent relations. That there is he's maybe somebody else will be very integral in that talent relations role or the creative role. I mean, because that's a lot for
1: this this guy to take on. I mean, John Pollock and Dave Meltzer were talking on I think it was Monday. Um you can find on the post wrestling YouTube. Um about how well maybe some a different person should be maybe he should be overseeing the talent relations role, but maybe it should also be a, a an, another person who is delegated delegated to to lead that, perhaps. And maybe there's good you know, conflict of interest reasons for that as well, that maybe the, the person who's driving creative should not be the person who's driving talent relations in any event. And, and we also, too, when we were talking about this, we
2: thought Kevin Dunn would be out the door very quickly and Bruce Pritchard could stay on forever, but Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard was not in, not mentioned in by Triple H there, and I wonder... No,
1: but if, I, I don't take that to be that meaningful, though. Yeah. I mean, he... You mentioned Kevin Dunn, and he, I don't... You know, if you didn't mention Bruce Pritchard, there would be somebody else that he left out. Or if you did yeah. mention Bruce Pritchard, you know... I, I don't take that to be hugely meaningful. Um, and so, you watched SummerSlam? Called- yes. Yes, I, I did watch SummerSlam, yes. So, uh, what's the next yeah. slide here? Is... Uh, first match is Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Uh, and after that match, spoiler alert, after Bianca Belair wins... And Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair shake hands. We have the return of Bailey, who's been out for more than a year. And then, even more unexpectedly, Dakota Kai comes out, whose whose contract had expired. And Io Shirai comes out. uh, Who has a new name? Have you seen this? She's no longer Uh, Io Shirai. Yeah, I I think
2: I feel like I kind of saw that, but I wasn't, wasn't sure what was going on. She's now Io Sky.
1: Io Sky, okay, and, yeah. and it's not I O it's I Y O. Um, Triple H never sought the need to to rename her in NXT. Uh, I, I I got the impression, from, you know, listening to him talk publicly, that Triple H was very high on Eo Shirai uh, and thought she was one of the best wrestlers in the world of, of any gender. Um, Vince probably saw no interest in using her.
2: Well, Vince, her role was minimized in
1: NXT 2.0 after Triple H was not no longer power there. Yeah. Uh, Vince saw no, no no desire to use Dakota Kai on television. Uh, so these are this is a big difference here. This is not a huge difference, but if this is there's definitely a different Booker now. Yeah, I tweeted to that effect.
2: I think there's this. You mentioned in the beginning of the show. Michael Cole definitely had an energy about him last night mm. that was definitely a little more upbeat, a little bit different.
1: You mentioned uh, Dan Engler's name. Yes, yeah. the referee names being mentioned. He mentioned a cameraman's first name, I believe, Stu or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which is um, not something that I would expect to happen no. if Vince was in his ear.
2: And also, too, the return of Max Dupree. Like, I think that needs to be said, too, as we heard that
1: Vince wanted him out of the role, and then here he is back now that Vince is gone. <laughs> yeah. So at, at the risk of overanalyzing this, I think what we see here is sort of this, this compromise of, I don't know if, if, if Triple H, of his own accord, would rename Io Shirai, um, but maybe there's maybe he's accommodating other, other opinions here. Maybe he's accommodating the opinion of of a, of a Kevin Dunn and or a Bruce Pritchard to say, all right, you want to m- maybe that name's not good. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll accept your idea. I'm not going to rule with an iron fist and say only what I like is going to go. Um, but we are going to bring back Io Shirai, and we are going to bring back bring into the main roster her and Dakota Kai, who Vince probably had no interest in using. Uh, Fightful reporting that uh, Sean Ross Sap had heard that, that a stable consisting of these three EO Sky, I suppose we should call her Bailey and Dakota Kai, uh, had been pitched for quite a while uh, or quite a while ago before Dakota uh, was released or contract expired and this man rejected it. So, well,
2: Tim Tim B, uh, has a has interesting super chat. Uh, how did Lance Storm know who Kai and, and Sky were without five video packages I'm sure these old heads wanted the same complaints they had about New Japan Pro Wrestling
1: I suppose this is something that, uh, that Lance Storm has complained about that there aren't enough explanation of who's who video packages and promo packages and stuff yeah yeah. Um, I, I I err on the side of um, explain things when things aren't known but but you know anticipate that fans will pick Pick up what's happening from context clues, and, and perhaps just from listening to commentary, and that's kind of what commentary is there for, without hitting people over the head. I think we've, you know, and and this is going to be a, a regular theme for the next couple of years, probably, is that Vince McMahon has instilled and ingrained, maybe more than a couple of years, has instilled and ingrained all of these compulsions into wrestling, into wrestling minds people in power who make decisions and fans who analyze it and talk about it has instilled all of these compulsions as regular practice. That must be good because the most powerful company in the world does it such as anticipating that all fans are completely ignorant and empty headed about everything. So we must make everything as obvious as possible. Even if that insults our most ardent fans who are, inclined to spend the most money. Maybe that was more effective in a prior era. Maybe that was more effective in the 90s, in the 80s. And I think what what Vince's era and what Vince's disciples don't understand, don't appreciate enough, is how how the world has changed and how marketing has changed in terms of what's the most effective form of marketing that there is. It's not running ads it's not uh crafting an amazing public relations message you can do that that's fine the most effective form of marketing in this era when everyone has a device in their hand that can market your product as authentically and organically as possible i can tell my friends you know in, in the 90s my friends and i would talk about wrestling and what happened the night before and whether or not it was good to watch But now, not just that can happen, but people can talk about wrestling and and promote it, essentially, on social media and beyond. And those people should be thought of as promoters in the sort of net promoter score sense. Those people are promoters. And I think that very much explains why New Japan became popular in the United States and in in English-speaking countries I think it very much explains why at various times Ring of Honor had an had a improving brand value and did better business when it did better business. I think that explains why impact, total nonstop action, fell from grace. is because you had detractors out there that told people that this company is burning me over and over again and it's violating my trust. That's why to the degree that it did from 2017 and forward. W declined in consumer popularity because it repeatedly burned the trust of its most ardent fans who communicated publicly that it burned its trust. So the most ardent wrestling fans can be your promoters if you're willing to say, like, manipulate them as such, rather than say ah, these people will never be satisfied with anything because you don't get it. You don't get how to appeal to them while appealing to the rest of your market. And you believe that that's impossible to satisfy this mythical mainstream audience while satisfying this purportedly mercurial hardcore audience. I in, in One of the things I'm
2: very interested to see in this new regime is is that when somebody organically gets over... If they're going to continue, if they'll actually roll with that, um, because obviously that was something Vince McMahon just did not do with you know Zack Ryder and Rusev, and I mean there's there's countless others, Fandango, and you know I'm very intrigued to see if the first person it just organically gets over, if like Triple H and they actually go, you know what, yes, we're going to strap a rocket on this person, or
1: no, this
2: is not who we have in our script to be it's a like- star.
1: Why do you think Vince was that way? Why did he? Because he didn't create it. Yeah. And it was not about. Con- it was, it's not something that he controlled. And yeah, I think yeah. he created from scratch. Um, I think he was still insecure about. Um, you know, who's the big star when, when Vince came to power and when Vince went national? I'm Hulk Hogan. Who created Hulk Hogan? Vince?
2: No. Who? who? Vern Gagne.
1: Vern? Not Vern. Um I think he's still insecure about that and about the fact that you could say, well, you just you just got the company from your dad no i i it was in a loan. I paid him in a in a balloon payment, and he did um but he wouldn't have been in the, in the position to do that unless Vincent J McMahon was his dad um and as Vince won the Monday night war and won the first war against Crockett and others and became more secure in his position and more lacking in competition, he was able to become even more Vince and to, you know, in, in, indulge his tendencies to, you know, to not embrace people who had the perception of coming from elsewhere. Um, we saw those insecurities just
2: recently, a year ago when he's mentioned Ted Turner, when somebody asked him a question about Tony Khan and EW, it's like, Still living rent-, rent free in his brain. Anybody that actually really challenged him and challenged his power and made him not think like he was in control of
1: this business st- stuck with him. Yeah, yeah. I'd be really curious to hear you know his honest thoughts about about current wrestling, and about his you know the rise of AEW and things like that. But I don't know that we'll ever we'll hear it unless uh, Conrad signs him up for <laughs> for, a, for a podcast series. Um, Speaking of AEW. The only reason that AW exists, well, there's at least five reasons, right? Uh, and wh- one of them was Tony Khan saw that the deal that W made in 2018, they got, a, they got their TV rights fees almost quadrupled. They got them more than tripled. So there's a lot of money there. And not only is there a lot of money there, but the demand for that, those live sports content, that live sports content is increasing. You know, uh, I believe that W is still going to get an increase in the following deal that they're going to make next year. 1.5X is the base case. I believe that you know AEW is going to get a strong upgrade as well, so that financial opportunity is there first and foremost. Secondly, funding you got to have a lot of money if you're going to run an expensive production like AEW. That's something that's going to be comparable to what WE does in terms of the cost to produce such an entertainment event. Fortunately, his dad is a billionaire. Third. He had the leadership, he had a sports background, and not just that. Uh, but unlike people who led TNA, uh, he has a, a better understanding of, of wrestling and of wrestling fans. And I don't know that the leadership at, at TNA ever had that. Um, and then, fourth, not only is this you know, an opportunity to just create a second wrestling brand, but there was something that, that the the incumbent dominant brand of wrestling was lacking, and that was uh, the ability to attract talent because uh, people didn't want to go there because they were afraid that, you know, Kenny Omega, they, they, maybe they were willing to consider it or at least were willing to consider it out of leverage. But, you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and maybe Cody at the time were uh, considering. Going to WWE, but but probably felt that they were going to be wasted, or maybe they would have a run in NXT, and then you know they wouldn't be creatively satisfied. Paying lots of money, maybe they would have made millions of dollars, but um, if they went to the to WWE, Vince wouldn't get them. He would warehouse them, and then you have this population of fans that the success, the relative success of AEW has proved exist. Fans who are dissatisfied with the quality of WWE's content and we're turned off, and we're hungry for an alternative. And we're already engaging with alternatives like NXT, like New Japan, like Ring of Honor, like various indies. Uh, So, that happened. And now, two of those factors, got five of these here, two of those factors that made the business opportunity as robust as it is for AEW, I don't know that those two of these factors are as strong as they were. That is the availability of talent because of their dissatisfaction and their reticence to go to WWE, and I don't know if fans are going to be as dissatisfied in WWE going forward as, as they as they have been over the last at least five years. So uh, that is not a good thing for AEW's business in terms of a market value. If if WWE is if WB is sold, which you know CNBC is reporting that according to people familiar with the matter. They're not interested. They're not pursuing a sale. Um, I believe there's truth to that, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be sold sometime in the next year, or two years, or whatever. If w be sold, it's probably going to be in excess. It could, could very well be in excess of of their market capital, which is currently about five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say they're sold. Let's imagine a scenario in which they're sold for six or seven billion dollars. Um, that means that they're worth you know more than they're currently being valued at, or that that you know that you would assess their value at. And, and if WB is more valuable you know, than they've been valued at for the last couple of years, that probably reflects on, on a W uh, not that a W is going to be worth anywhere near what the market value of, of WB is, but it increases. You know, if, if a W were a publicly traded company, if W is sold for a lot of money, if W is sold for more than its market capital, that would positively impact the AW stock. If it were a publicly traded company, which it, it of course is not um, on the other hand, the opportunity and advantage that AEW has in some ways over, over WWE is perhaps lessened now because you might have fans that are actually satisfied by the biggest company in the world. You might have talent that could actually get creatively satisfied. And I, I might not, if I'm a talented wrestler say, I don't know if I want to go to WWE because I think they're just going to waste me. And, you know, I could have great matches and have a great time at NXT under Triple H's supervision. But the moment that I go, go up to Vince McMahon, I'm going to be deemed as too short and uh, my muscles aren't big enough and uh, you know, I don't I don't look enough like a bodybuilder for him. So why should I bother? Even though maybe I'll make millions of dollars. Oh, AEW exists and they're they're willing to pay me a million dollars. Well maybe I'll just go there and I'll have the best of both worlds. So, not great news for AEW in my view. Even though, yeah, there's 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 some mix there in terms of speculation on a sale. Might increase your value. Although although I think for for Tony Khan ultimately though, he's not necessarily there to Maybe maybe he ultimately will be there to 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 sell AEW to to a major media company someday. Um, But he's, I think, he's very interested too in becoming a big player in the wrestling world.
2: Um, He Tony Khan was on Busted Open on uh, Wednesday, right? I think it was, and he addressed this, and he had to bring up the fact that Adam Cole had a contract till I think 2027, and Aleister Black was on a uh, or Malachi Black to say was on a five year contract and. You know, he's, you know, very upset at the reports that guys would leave and go to WWE because of the new creative. And that's not how I read the report. I read the report that there were basically that guys would have stayed with WWE had Triple H been head of creative. And this is a question that now you have to look at who could be available or who is available right now. I think a big part of AEW's fan service is bringing in the next hot free agent. They've been doing that a lot lately, right? Well, Let's just talk about Johnny Gargano, for example. He could be that next top free agent to show up on Dynamite. But now, Triple H is in charge. And he was, you know, obviously worked with Triple H closely in NXT. Triple H, I would imagine, values Johnny Gargano very highly. Does he go, you know what? Now I can trust that WWE will use me properly on the main roster. I'm going back to WWE. And I think that happens in a lot of scenarios. Does that happen if Adam Cole... You know, if Triple H was in charge and Cole's contract expired and, you know, and, and we could speculate on and on and on. But I think that that fan service that Tony Khan does by the next hottest free agent is going to be less frequent. Yeah.
1: And I, I think there's even talent that Triple H will value who an audience will value that I don't think Tony Khan values. Like, I don't think Tony Khan values Johnny Gargano. Otherwise, you would have brought him in already. I don't think he valued Dakota Kai. Otherwise, she would have been brought in already. To Aew, um, yeah, I, I think so. That, 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 that's a revelation, though, that he's got Adam Cole. He had Adam Cole and and Malachi Black signed to a, apparently six year deals. Yeah, I think Adam, Adam Cole is now one year into his deal almost. So I, that, that that would imply that Adam Cole signed a six year deal last year with Aew. Um, that's a long time. Those are long wrestling contracts. <laughs> Usually, we that, see around three years, right? Right, and and in six years. AW will have a new TV deal, and who knows how much revenue they'll be generating at that point, a lot more than they w- will be currently if, it, if it's what I've speculated, it could be a, as much as 3X, 4X, 5X of, of their current deal. Uh, you, you would argue that you know, I should be paid more if this company is now generating, it's, it's hard to do the math based on one deal, but that's by far their biggest source of income is their US TV deal. Um, it's what, $44 million on an average annual basis. I'd guess that they're making around $100 million in revenue. So that's about half of their money. Uh, And if you multiply that by three or four or five times, maybe your pay should go way up too. Um, But yeah, I think think, think you see this in in scrums sometimes too. I think Tony has a way of interpreting questions as being threatening in ways that the people asking the questions do not intend. (laughs) You you mentioned how Tony Khan values
2: talent, right? And like Johnny Gargano has been out there for a little bit, Dakota Kai has. So, is do you think the first example to see how this is going to play out will be Sasha Banks? Maybe, yeah, yeah. You know, does she go back now that it's a new creative direction, or
1: does she go to AEW? So, we'll see. Um, If I were betting, I would expect Sasha Banks to go back to, to WWE.
2: I thought she was um, going to be the the one
1: coming out with Bailey last night. Or helping, <laughs> or, yeah, or helping, out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I think you know, I would I would anticipate that Sasha's ish and and, ne- and Naomi's issues were largely with Vince and perhaps with with Johnny Ace with John Laurinaitis, mm-hmm. and both those people don't appear to be coming back to WWE anytime soon, if ever. Um, I'm sure Sasha Banks has some sort of relationship with with Triple H, you know, and, and they clearly worked together in NXT and had relative success. So there may be a great deal of trust there. Um, And if I were uh, a talented female wrestler looking at AEW, I don't know if I I would be as excited about going there to work for Tony Khan as I would be excited about going to WWE to work for Triple H. And that's that's gonna be an an increasingly important dichotomy going forward as perhaps women's wrestling becomes a more important part of what fans demand. as like, women's wrestling has been historically disadvantaged going back to, to because of how they've been presented because of how they've been trained or not trained. They've been you know, told not to wrestle like the guys and things like that for decades. And that's only starting to resolve itself. Um, and as that increasingly resolves itself, women's wrestling will, will become better. There'll be more and more talented female wrestlers and that will become a more, valuable part of a wrestling program and i'm not sure that tony khan values women's wrestling in the way that he values men's wrestling um why because of how they've recruited to this point and and who they've not recruited and because of where you see women positioned uh on the show now yes there are some women that that aw tony khan has has pushed hard including Britt baker including jade cargill uh but we see almost every episode of Dynamite, women are slotted in this sort of viscera spot quarter five, quarter six, quarter seven. Uh, women have almost never, I don't know that there's ever been a women's match that opened Dynamite. You'd have to check on that. And last year, you know, we did that study yeah. two weeks ago. There might have been a promo in, in quarter one from, from, from a, a woman wrestler. I don't know that there's ever been an opening match on Dynamite. There's been the Mercedes-Martinez and Deanna Parrazzo, uh match that, that main event at the Dynamite. Uh, there's obviously been the, the memorable Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker match from St. Patrick's Day 2021. Uh, very few and far between is the point, and those are the exception. Uh, All right, yeah, we will... Have, uh, I, have, have I incited the, the chat into a riot with, the, with those comments?
2: Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, uh, there's a lot of conversations going on in the chat.
1: Okay, okay. Moving on to <clears throat> W Headquarters. Uh, so this was, uh, we were talking about the this, this, this stock blackout period. Uh, what is a stock blackout period? Do you know, Chris Cole?
2: So is that just a, well, so that is a time period that if you are an employee and your shares were from being an employee, you cannot trade them, Right. Like you can't, like you know, you just can't do any movement on them now. But that would only be, would it only be shares that you got because you're you're an
1: employee, not like if you bought on your own. Any shares, any shares. So, okay. So here, here's my understanding: W's insider trading policy is public on their corporate website, and I read it uh, recently the other day. Um, basically, if if you're an executive vice president or higher, if you're a member of the board of directors, you cannot trade W stock any time between the end of the quarter, so June 30th, for example, through the two trading days after W's earnings report. Let's say they report on August 9th, two, two Wednesdays from now, that's a Tuesday, so you wouldn't be able to trade until after what would be, what, August 11th. I don't know if you'd be able to trade on August 11th, but at least you know on August 12th would be the earliest that you could probably make a trade. Perhaps there are other restrictions, too, that we don't know about. Um, so on on Friday... Two Fridays ago, on the day, you know, I believe this is July 22nd, the day that Vince McMahon put out the tweet and the press release that he is retired from WWE, uh, just a little while after that, that evening, WWE sent out a message to all staff, uh, signed apparently by Jim Langham, who is the Senior Vice President and Assistant General Counsel for WWE, who appears to be you know, in charge of this insider trading policy. And the the message said, this is to all staff, please be advised in light of recent developments, the company's trading window has closed effective immediately for all employees until further notice you are prohibited from any purchases or sales of company securities. You are also instructed not to speak with others about this note. Uh, that you, that, that part at the end there, you're instructed not to, to speak with others about this note. Sounds, sounds scary. Uh, what What is that about? Um, there is that is consistent with their policy that is that is already public that you're not supposed to even tell anybody that there's a blackout in effect presumably because that that would say oh there's something happening I, I i'm guessing is the intent there in any in any event um this is a story that we reported on thursday i believe uh, after seeing the message from multiple people um it's normal for what WE calls designated persons to be not allowed to trade to be prohibited from trading during this time between end of quarter and reporting on that quarter. designated persons being major executives or members of the board of directors. or it would also be normal for anybody who WB deems or perhaps you yourself sh- should be aware of this if you have what's called non-public I'm sorry material non-public, information um and you don't even have to be a w employee to be in possession of material non-public information let's say you're talking to a w employee and they tell you some material non-public information and then because of that information that they relate to you whoa you know something that the rest of the market doesn't you make a make a trade to advantage yourself can't do that not saying it doesn't happen in in the stock market broadly probably does uh, but you're not supposed to do that and i don't believe that that's that's legal like you might find yourself in some some trouble, uh, some Martha Stewart-like trouble if you do that. Um, so, again, uh, major executives, board members being prohibited from trading stock, normal. People with material non-public information being prohibited from trading stock, normal. All some 800-plus employees of W being prohibited from trading stock, not normal. The entire company, Uh, until, until further notice. So it's not even clear. Does this end a couple days after the earnings report does come out? Not clear, not clear when you're going to be able to trade your stock units. Does, um, how do employees come to have stock? They're often given stock awards as part of their compensation. Um, so if you were planning on liquidating some stock to take care of something financially, can't do that for now. So that's happening. Um, I did reach out to WE, uh, a spokesperson, and to the Assistant General Counsel Jim Langham. Neither of whom responded to uh, to comment on this story. So that's what's happening. Uh, it, it, it does lead one to wonder: Is is WE being sold? H- how do they do they consider that all employees are in possession of material non public information right now? Um, at least one to wonder if WWE is being sold. However, as we mentioned earlier, CNBC, this article from Alex Sherman came out on Tuesday saying, according to somebody familiar with the situation, the company isn't currently in sales talks. Brandon Ross of Lightshed, the analyst, they did their podcast on Friday, or I believe it came out on Thursday, actually. Uh, Brandon Ross coming away from conversations with a belief that WB is not pursuing a sale. Nonetheless, let's speculate about who might buy, buy W E because... That's a thought on people's mind right now. Maybe not anytime soon, but maybe at some point in the medium-term future. Uh, these are the companies that I have heard mentioned. Comcast, MS Universal, for whom it makes the most obvious sense. Because they're paying $265 million a year for Raw. They're paying something for NXT. Maybe not a lot, but something. They're paying $200 million every year for the content that's on Peacock. So we're talking about... In excess of $450 million every year. They're going to have to renew those rights pretty soon. They're going to have to renew the, the raw rights next year probably. That goes into effect in 2024. They're going to have to renew the Peacock rights if they want to keep WPLEs on Peacock uh, probably at an increase. We'll see. We're going to talk about Peacock in a second. So it makes a lot of sense to just buy that and to not have to worry about the rent going up and to just own the home. So it makes a lot of sense for them. Fox, maybe. I doubt it. Doesn't make a lot of sense for them, I think, because they're probably more likely to be acquired themselves. Disney. Uh, by, by the way, it would make sense for Comcast and Universal, too, because you could take all that IP that W's got, maybe put it into Universal Studios. Could be a great use for, for WWE in Universal Studios, maybe. And that's what Nikon talked about in his interview uh, on the podcast The Town with Matt Bellamy, uh, head of WrestleMania. Disney is disney gonna buy WWE? they could i suppose i doubt it uh yeah. i don't think that disney looks at w content as something that is a brand match for them would be my guess <laughs> would be my guess netflix netflix has expressed that they're not necessarily interested in bidding on sports rights although apparently they, they did bid on formula one reportedly but Netflix, before that, has expressed that they're not necessarily interested in bidding on live sports rights. And maybe it makes sense because of Formula One, because that that's where Drive to Survive was distributed. But anyway, maybe they're not interested in bidding on live sports rights and getting into that competition. But maybe they're interested in, in acquiring a brand, a company that, that has sports rights. Not out of the question. I still don't think that we've ever seen something live on Netflix. Am I wrong?
2: No, I, not that I can think of.
1: Not that they couldn't easily make it happen, right? We're seeing live on on Apple and so forth. Uh, Endeavor, Endeavor comes to mind. Brandon Ross from Lightshed has tweeted that he thinks Endeavor is the one that makes the most sense for for acquiring WWE. Endeavor owns what what U- company? U- that? U- U- UFC. UFC. They made made the deal to acquire UFC, and maybe there's some reassurance. Well, if when Vince was still in control, <laughs> there was maybe there's some reassurance that hey, look. Dana still gets to do his own thing. We'll let you do your own thing, too. Uh, but they have they have experience I guess, managing or overseeing a, a combat sports live event, live sports media rights distributor. Uh, Endeavor carries a lot of debt uh, because of their their purchase of UFC. Uh, I believe, though, that, well, maybe they could make some sort of deal that uh, includes stock. So if you're a W shareholder, perhaps you end up not just with uh, cash, but with with Endeavor shares as well. Um, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, maybe he buys it. I think this is something that Laura Martin speculated on more than a year ago from Needham. Um, I guess, and maybe you make the argument that well, Amazon. They've got really strong distribution platform. They've got really deep pockets, um, much like Apple does in the, in this game. And maybe they they want to own just like they they acquired MGM, MGM recently, right? Maybe they they want to acquire more more companies that own their own content. Amazon doesn't own a lot of its content. It's got to license a lot of it. You know, they're not really they're behind the game in terms of what Netflix is 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 at in terms of producing their own content and owning their own content. So. There's an advantage there for Amazon uh, and you can see a match for in terms of the you know the consumer products business you know obviously w has a sizable consumer products business that that Amazon could have fine synergies with in terms of uh, selling merchandise and things of that nature uh, so we'll see uh, Comcast and endeavor I think leading candidates here's a here's a question what is Nikon's relationship like with Aria Emanuel. Don't know. But Endeavor did work with W uh, on the on and I think still does. Right? Cuz they are no longer work, working with the former Bantech MLBAM for the 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 network platform which is still being distributed internationally, but I believe they're they're partnering still with Endeavor for the backbone of of the W network as it is still distributed internationally, even though in the US obviously that's on Peacock. So there's that. Does Brian Roberts want to buy WB Comcast CEO? Questionable. Um I suppose we, we take this this moment to mention what if what if W goes private and then Vince comes back?
2: Um do you think that maybe Vince would because we talked about how he, he would have to approve a sale still being the majority shareholder, right? So yes. Do you think he may, he maybe pushes a sale because well if I don't want anything to do with it, I, I I don't you know, if I can't be there, I want nothing to do with this. So he pushes mm. for a sale of the company?
1: It depends on what he does. And it's just unfathomable to be to imagine. Like what is Vince yeah. doing right now? What is he doing right now? Um is did, did he watch I think we have the the slider. Did he even watch SummerSlam? Uh I'm sur- I was surprised that as many people, as I put up this poll on Twitter, we got, oh, it's a huge sample here, 1,482 votes and, and, and more since I took this screenshot, right? Um, 71% of, of the voters here at, responding to the question, do you think Vince McMahon watched any part of SummerSlam? 71% of the voters said yes. Uh, I tend to think no uh, because I just can't imagine. Like here, Here's like a real question. Does Vince, Does would Vince know how to, how to- put the PLE on Peacock in, in his home, uh, you know, would he know? Because, and, you know, Jim Ross has said, you know, Vince doesn't watch wrestling when he's not in the grill position. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I totally buy that, that Vince does not like, but does, does he watch TV? Like what's the last TV show that, that Vince watched? What's the last movie that he watched? Like, I don't, I don't know that he, I don't, I, I, I don't really believe that he's consuming a lot of media that, that is not in the gorilla position and is, you know, I doubt that he was spending a lot of time on things other than, other than work and, and, and to be, and, and working out. Um, So I I don't know. It will depend on, but to your question, it will depend on what does Vince do? Does he get involved in other business projects? I don't know. Um, Does he need cash to fund a big business project well, then maybe, maybe he's very open to a sale of the company so he can get cash and invest it in a, in a big business project. However, he's about to turn 77. Um, I don't know. And does he, does he you know find that he's got nothing else to do and he wants to come back to the company and so, so relinquishing control is not in his interest? We'll see. I, however, here, let's, let's make, make, make it clear. I don't expect Vince to be back in WWE. Maybe I'm just projecting here, but I I think this is it. I don't buy this conspiracy theory that he's going to be lurking in the background, pulling the strings, being the puppet master. I think AAA is going to have a lot of incentive to, to please many people here and to be compromising.
2: Do I think he's going to give his opinion on things? Sure. I, you know, we all, I mean, in most relationships with parents, your parents will always call you and suggest things. Do you think he'll go, Hey, Stephanie, uh, I think you should uh, really uh, put the title on theory just just put it out there. No, I know I've no, you know what I mean. Like
1: I, I can also a, see him once he's comments. disengaged with this him and and being so like and just not watching it and not being in touch with what's going on, just not having an, an awareness enough of what's happening to to be that engaged in in meaningful conversations. But but to your point, I, I you know he's going to be Stephanie's father and they appear to have a good relationship. He's going to be. Triple H's son-in-law, or father-in-law, and they're going to be around each other, I'm sure, going forward, and they're probably going to have conversations about, about their business. Uh, so he may be operating as some sort of a de facto advisor. Uh, does that mean that anybody's going to listen to him? Not necessarily. Um, Alright. Moving on to, I think, Peacock. What's happening in, in the world of, of, of Peacock? Briefly. Peacock subscribers were flat. Comcast reported this past week their Q2 results. Peacock Has 13 million subscribers as of the most recent quarter. That is, how does that compare to the prior quarter? The same, flat, no movement. Their monthly active accounts was actually down by a million. Uh, They don't get into more specific numbers than that, Uh, but that Peacock has appeared to stall in terms of engagement. Now, they did have in Q1 the Olympics and the Super Bowl. Those are big events. In Q2, they did have WrestleMania, though. And if you listen to Stephanie McMahon, WrestleMania had more social engagement than, than the Super Bowl. Um, nonetheless, I think we're seeing you know, sort of the, the saturation. We're getting the, near that saturation point. Maybe year over year, you know, Peacock will still be up next year. But, but, but we're not, we're not in, in the realm of explosive growth anymore here. So uh, we're getting an idea of what's the ceiling in at least in in the short and medium term, what's the ceiling for Peacock, and all those deltas that Nikon reports in every earnings about how this this PLA Money in the Bank was X percent more watched than last year, and this pay per view was X percent more watched than last year because they're comparing uh, the most recent pay per view of a given name to either when it was on the W network direct to consumer and only had in the United States, 1.1 million subscribers, or they're comparing it to a more nascent peacock that didn't have as many monthly active accounts. Uh, so we, we, a year from now, I mean, we'll still, you'll still be up year over year, but a year from now, you, you may not be up year over year anymore. Uh, nonetheless, I think it, it, it's such an under understood story here. If you, if you take anything away from listening to WrestleMomics, one of my big conclusions lately has been, Hey, look, Yes, W popularity has declined from 2017 to 2021, meaningfully. Financial picture is great, but popularity fan interest has declined. It has stabilized now. Why? Because of Roman Reigns? Because of the creative? Because of the content? No. Because of Peacock. More so than those other things anyway. Acknowledge Peacock. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the Peacock. Acknowledge it. But seriously, we just we, just by putting these events into more homes, I think that has contributed significantly to the stabilization of WWE's otherwise, until now, declining popularity. So anyway, that's what's happening with Peacock. Finally, this man took a tractor and nearly flipped over the ring, and, like, he could have hurt people in the audience. What are they thinking? Very interesting,
2: interesting thing. I, I, I liked it, though, because... It was different.
1: <laughs> I was. I uh, pe- people. Uh, Brock Lesnar took a tractor and drove it down the ramp and lifted up the ring, and and the the rest of the me- the, you know, the last ten minutes of the match or whatever were wrestled with the ring on, on this this tractor scoop. I don't know what what to call it. That's how 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 suburban and urban I am.
2: It was like uh, a bulldozer thing. Yeah, but on a tractor. Yeah
1: front hoe i don't know what do you, i don't know what to call it anyway um i was afraid that this ring was going to come apart and like fall on someone he could have there was nothing stopping him stopping brock from like hitting the wrong lever and I'm, I'm sure Well, he's such a farmer i'm sure he knew what he was doing there but 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 mistakes happen and he, there, there was like nobody's wearing hard hats nobody's wearing hard hats for any of this there was nothing stopping him from like hitting people in the crowd or something like that. I was, the, 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 the big shovel thing was like hanging over the ring at one point. I was afraid like, and it had like this sharp edge. I was afraid somebody was like gonna run, there was like gonna be a German suplex and somebody was gonna take it in the head. Anyway, SummerSlam happened last night. Um, people think that Vince actually watched it. Attendance. Tickets distributed anyway. WrestleTix came out with its final count this morning. Final count for SummerSlam. Tickets distributed according to the ticket map. Estimated at 40,000. Forty thousand one hundred and seventeen. Forty thousand. Glenn though, Glenn came out. He didn't he didn't espouse any of his political beliefs, but uh Kane came out and he said forty eight thousand four hundred and forty nine. So you have to lie it up at least a little bit. Um a difference of, of about eight thousand there. Um this have, how does this compare it?
2: Oh yes. I was say we have a super chat regarding this too. Um, from earlier, uh, CWJ one two eight. If you had to speculate, do you think the gate plus merch for SummerSlam was over under plus four merch. million? Uh, thank you for the content and be well. well thank you, CW.
1: Thank you. Uh, off the top of my head, I would guess over, but let's let's see here. Uh, forty, let's go forty thousand. Let's say ninety five percent of that was paid. That leaves us about thirty eight thousand paid. Times what do we think for average ticket price here? I would, get, I would say like I don't know one hundred dollars. We're at three point eight million dollars. Um okay, remember that goal. Three point eight million dollars and let's say uh ticket per uh, mm-hmm. merch per merch per capita, let's go sixteen. That that's probably too conservative. Let's go seventeen times thirty-eight thousand paid attendees. That's an additional six hundred forty-eight six hundred forty-six thousand dollars plus three point eight million dollars is four point four million dollars. That's that's a good that's a good over-under. Four yeah. million dollars. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, where, where is this, this photo here? Yes, one side of the, the, the stadium was, was empty. I mean, nonetheless, they had 40,000 people here. Uh, how does this compare to the SummerSlam of, of last year in Las Vegas? According to WrestleTix, it's just under that. 45,000. Uh, 45,690 45, was the SummerSlam last year in Las Vegas. Keep in mind, that was just after the return to touring. When there did appear to be a pent-up demand effect, so I think that's pretty good considering. Uh, considering it was only slightly down from from the the first big stadium event after the return to touring. Um, critical reception to this pay-per-view. Yeah, I called it a pay-per-view. What are you gonna do? Critical reception to this pay-per-view, pretty good. Uh, on Cage Match, the inmates rating it of seven point six which is comparable to the Hell in the Cell, which is the Cody-Torn Peck pay-per-view. <laughs> um, but, you know, on, on, the, on the scale of W pay-per-views, that's a pretty high rating. The highest over the... So we're looking at this from the entire year of 2021 and year-to-date 2022. So everything from Royal Rumble 2021 and forward, and that would be... That's among the highest, right? Um, not... There's only one pay-per-view event that's... Rated in an eight or higher, and that is the WrestleMania Saturday, which had a, has currently standing at an eight point zero four. Um, there are several that are higher or within the range of this pay per view, but this is on the high end for sure because there are some some pay per views like Elimination Chamber of this year and Royal Rumble of this year. So, so there's that. Um, moving on to another story, broken by Wrestleomics this week. Yes, NXT Premium Live event. September 4th. September 4th. NXT will not not just... So they, yes, yes they are having these special takeovers that have their own special brand name like Great American Bash, like, uh, what was it? Spring Breakin'. Uh, they're going to have another one called Heat Wave on, I believe, August 16th. But they're also going to have not just... A, not, it's not a, a Tuesday night. This is a exclusive Peacock and W Network event. September 4th. So what else is on September 4th? all uh all out all out yep uh not clear if this is actually going to be in prime time no it's not going to be in the uk read the article subscribe to wrestling you would know that it's scheduled to be in orlando so probably in the performance center almost certainly um could be in the afternoon but i'd I'd be be more surprised if it was in the afternoon and not running head-to-head with aew um it's a marathon not a sprint Um, question I have
2: on this: Uh, would there be some? I would imagine WWE is going to package this as like one of the biggest weekends in WWE history: Clash in the Castle and NXT, because they have Clash in the Castle the day before, like uh, on that Saturday. I imagine this NXT
1: event on the Castle, which will have a sizable audience.
2: Yeah, I uh, I imagine there's going to be some type of merging of of promotion there, and I'm interested to see too. The NXT 2.0 with Triple H, I imagine having more involvement with that. This is going to be a more AW like product again.
1: We'll see. Um, I think we'll, we'll see a gradual movement. You know, I, I, again, I don't think Triple H is going to be in a hurry to alienate people who have been doing doing their jobs since since he's not been overseeing the NXT. Um, I don't think he wants to rock the boat for political reasons, for financial reasons. But um, we may see things change over time. Um, I'm reminded of something that uh, a friend of the show, P- P.W.O. Loss, Loss from Pro from Wrestling Only, has said, I believe I believe it's him, that this was years ago. This is now when when NXT was becoming a, a pretty strong product under Triple H's oversight. And I think he would, he would say something to the effect of that, you know, one day we're just going to wake up and it's going to be Triple H's WWE. Um... I think now now is the time to apply that new, little by little. One day we're going to wake up, and it's not going to be Vince McMahon's WWE anymore, either on the main roster or NXT, but that's going to be a slow process. Slow process. Uh, moving on. I think we're done. I think that's it. Yeah.
2: Um, they were doing the tryouts this week. I haven't seen any names of any independent wrestlers released, but that is another thing to look out for, you know. I think somebody reported this week, and I'm sorry if I, I can't remember that they're they're not going to abandon the athlete thing. That's that's still going to be a thing, and clearly with people that were at the tryout. But you'll probably see wrestlers with experience also being in these NXT classes.
1: Gradually, I think we'll see yeah. traditional trials that we've seen in the past that that invited wrestlers with wrestling experience. Um, why not do both too? Yeah, you know why why have to have one vision? about uh, why why have to be like all about no we're only going to recruit experienced wrestlers and and to the same token why why have this f- vision of no, we're only gonna recruit collegiate athletes why why not recruit both and and, and hey this NIL program is is maybe a, a good public relations policy as well, <laughs> this gets you yeah. on our articles in in e s p n and and the athletic, and maybe that helps your perception as a as a legitimate, valuable, attractive sports brand to business partners, advertisers, distributors. All right. uh,
2: So? So? Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Hit the thumbs up
1: button. Share this podcast. Subscribe to it on YouTube or on your podcast app. You give us a nice review. That really helps us a lot. Um, The more thumbs up you get, I think that helps us. It helps other people discover WrestleNomics. Uh, like we mentioned, there's, there were three, uh, at least, uh, three stories here. Well, there's really two, two exclusive stories, uh, on the, NXT on the, uh, the, the prohibition, prohibition of, of W stock sales for employees. Uh, those are broken just this week, just this week. Um, as well as I had some ongoing coverage of W business, um, on Monday, that was just in the past week. Um, if you're listening to this on Monday, Monday is the best day to sign up because you get the fullest value for your subscription if you sign up at patreon.com slash restalongs. You also get access to all the TV ratings reporting I've been doing. We also reported quarter hours for most of the month of July in the recent days. So that's all out there, uh, as well as you get access to the restalongs of spreadsheet. You get slides for all the podcasts, including the one that you're listening to or watching right now. Who's a draw? We're going to record Who's a draw on Wednesday. Yep, Wednesday, yep. Wednesday, we're going to do that um i know people people have asked me recently about well do do you have ratings by um by wrestler well that the who's a draw analysis is the closest that we get to that where we go through all of the quarter hours for for the recently ended month we go through all the quarter hours and all the related youtube videos and we try to assess who's making a positive difference for these wrestling programs um And you get access to to more, including the industry reports, including additional reporting that happens sometimes. You can join the hundreds of subscribers, including executives and wrestlers in the business who subscribe to WrestleNomics. Uh, One of those wrestlers may be having me on his podcast sometime soon. We'll see. Uh, And then from there.
2: yeah, uh, You can find me, uh, Chris Gullo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I have my other podcast, Rediscovering the Indies. We actually just released our part one episode of Dragon Gate USA. And on that episode, it's a lot about the, what Dragon Gate doing some business in the United States before the launch of the promotion, as far as well as running shows in Hawaii and Los Angeles, Uh, their relationship with Ring of Honor and how that kind of ended. Gabe Sapolsky's departure from Ring of Honor. And of course the formation of Dragon Gate USA and their first show that they put on and using a pay-per-view streaming uh, model that Ring of Honor, ended around the same time. So, uh, lots of lots. If you're a Ring of Honor fan, it's a very good show as well. Um, But lots of good stuff there uh, with Dragon Gate USA. Of course, it's RTA Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Rediscovering Indies on Facebook.
1: Okay. And thanks, as always, to Post Wrestling for being our podcast distribution partner. Good luck to Wei Ting, who's now on paternity leave. Uh, Do you want to read us out?
2: Yes. uh, We want to thank our WrestleNomics contributors, uh, Jason Ooprinster. You try to have her?
1: Just, just relax.
2: J- Jason Ooprinster.
1: sir yeah. Oh
2: ah, yeah. <laughs> Chris Ely, Jesse Collings, uh, technical consultant Phil Chertok. Special thanks to John Pollock, Wei Ting, Corey Gibson, Show Buzz Daily, and Russell Tix. Russellonomics was created by Chris Arrington. It's distributed in cooperation with Post Wrestling and supported by listeners and viewers like you. Thank you, everybody, and thank you for your super chats. Okay.